Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Good morning. If you're new today, my name's Kyle. I am the lead pastor here. As you just saw on the intro video there, we're starting a brand new series that's going to take us really through the summer as we're going to be tackling some tough topics that maybe you've thought about but you've never really heard a church talk about. Not all of them are going to be kind of controversial or like uh, hot social issues. There will be a few along the way. We're not going to like lay out the specific messages quite yet because many of you are still sending in your questions and feedback. I think this week we, we probably had another 60 Uh, messages come in saying, hey, this is what I'm interested in, this is what I'd love to hear about. And today's topic is uh, not really a a hot button, but it's been something that as we have started our church, because many different backgrounds are coming to Adventure Church, some Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, depending on where you've grown up in church, this topic of baptism today uh, can be a little different depending on the church you went to and what they taught But before we get into that, Joel Osteen always starts with a funny story, so I thought I would do that today. Is that okay? Can I do my Joel Osteen impression too? (laughs) Friends, God loves you. You ever see how he blinks all the time? Uh, I love Joel. I love his stuff. But there was a story, and it was the town heathen, the notorious center of town. Uh, He stumbles along a baptismal service that's happening down by the river. You know, back in the day, they didn't have these nice pools now. You you literally went to the river to be baptized. So he proceeds to walk down to the water, and he stands next to the preacher. And so the minister notices the man there, and he says, Mr., are you ready to find Jesus? And the man looks at him and says, yes, preacher, I think I am. And so the minister says, all right, well, then uh, let's get you baptized. So he, he dunks the man under the water. He pulls him back up. And, and the man, he says, to have you, the preacher asks him, he says, have you found Jesus yet? He said, no, I haven't yet. And so he dunks him back under again, holds him down for just even a little bit longer this time. And he pulls him back up. And he says, now, brother, have you found Jesus? He said, no, I haven't. So the preacher takes him down kind of in disgust and just holds him under for like 30 seconds. The guy's actually kind of squirming a little bit and he pulls him back out of the water and with this harsh tone he says now my good man have you found Jesus yet and the old guy says wipes his eyes and he catches his breath he says to the preacher he says are you sure this is where he fell in <laughs> that went over a lot better in my head before <laughs> that you're going to laugh a little more at that but baptism is this thing depending on where you come from and how you're raised can be like intimidating. It can be kind of like, what does it really mean? What's the significance behind it? And it's weird because a lot of churches do it different ways, but really in Scripture, when we look to the New Testament, because baptism is something that, that began after Jesus came, so there's nothing in the Old Testament about baptism. But, but, so after Jesus comes in the New Testament, you really kind of find it, it's, it's paved out. It's, it's pretty easy. It's kind of a, a very self-explanatory thing, and where our cultures and churches for whatever reasons, traditions and different men that have kind of instituted things and their churches going way, way, way back, uh, it's kind of complicated. And in, in the New Testament, we find kind of the description and the instruction on baptism. And so today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. Today's probably going to be more of a teachy sermon than it is a preachy sermon. But in the background here, we find in Matthew, you can turn in your notes uh, on your app or you can follow along on the screens in Scripture. But Matthew chapter 3, and kind of previous to this, so Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And so there's about a 400-year gap between Malachi and the New Testament. And in chapters 1 and 2 
of Matthew, uh, they talk about Jesus' birth and how he came and kind of the, the background in that. And then in chapter 3, we meet John the Baptist, okay? And so John the Baptist, I don't know for you, when I was younger in church, I thought John was a guy who went to the Baptist church. So he could have been John the Catholic John the Lutheran, John the Presbyterian, right? Anyone else ever think that? Like, so was John the Baptist. Like, man, the Baptists go way back. You know, they kind of established, you know, before even Jesus died, the Baptist church had already kind of laid its roots, but that's not what it was. John the Baptist was, and I'm going to get to this a little bit, in the meaning of baptism, the word baptize in the New Testament simply means, in the Greek word is baptizo. Look at your neighbor and say baptizo. Come on, say it, baptizo. It's actually, I think that's a fun word to say, don't you? Baptizo, I might name my next kid that if I had one. But baptizo, and what that meant is, in the Greek, the literal translation there means to wash, to, to submerge, to immerse in water. That's what that word meant. And so he was John, if we want to translate it to a modern day version, he was John the washing man, Okay. That's what John was. He was the guy who was baptizing people, taking them underwater. And so we find this guy, John the Baptist, and he is the first person in recorded history to ever baptize someone, to ever wash someone as a symbolic symbol of their commitment they made to Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through 16, it says this. So in those days, John the Baptist, John the washing man, that's what he was known as, came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was this, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. So John was preparing the way for Jesus, okay? So Jesus is already alive at this point, but John was sent kind of ahead of Jesus. He was out in front of him telling people, hey, the Jews need to get ready. The Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for, is on his way. So you need to be ready. You need to get, excuse me, ready to repent because he's here. John was a little bit of a different guy. It says that his clothes were woven of coarse camel hair, And he wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. How many of you know John was like, he was a pretty, like, he was Duck Dynasty before there was Duck Dynasty, right? I mean, he was was kind of a rough-looking dude. And so people from Jerusalem and all over Judea and all over Jordan Valley went to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, so notice there that when they had confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, they, uh, he denounced them. He would call them, you broad, broad of, excuse me, brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live. So baptism isn't something that proves, that saves you. He says, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. For we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Verse 11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is even greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. 
Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with a never-ending fire. So this is then Jesus comes on the scene. So again, imagine the crowd of people, right? They're around this. And, and, and John is a bold person. He's proclaiming that Jesus is coming. He's talking to the religious people. He's calling them out for, their, for the way that they're living and the, the way that the religious attitude that they have. And then Jesus kind of walks on the scene. So you can imagine a crowd of people are around and he's baptizing people. Then Jesus comes up and he's kind of like, hey, excuse me. And, and you'd be standing there and you're like, well, wait, I'm kind of in line here. And then you look and you go, oh, it's Jesus. That's the guy. He's talking about you kind of step out of the way so Jesus comes up and he says that Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John but John tried to talk him out of it he said I am the one who needs to be baptized by you he said so why why are you coming to me but Jesus said it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires so John agreed and baptized him so Jesus the one who had never sinned who did not need salvation through baptism, is leading by example here. He's showing us the the obedience out of God. He said it was the will of the Father. And again, baptizo simply means to wash, to dip, to immerse, or to submerge. And so John's baptism was one of repentance before Jesus, telling people to get ready to meet Jesus. Jesus goes to be baptized by John because he says it was the will of the Father. It's what the will of God wanted for those who are followers of him. So there's a lot of background there, but today it's going to be very basic. We're going to answer some few questions about what baptism is and what baptism is not. And so for us, the believers, what is baptism? The first thing is this, in your notes, it's a command for Christ followers. Baptism is a command for Christ followers. In Matthew 28, so that's the beginning of Matthew, and so the, the, the story of Jesus unfolds. He's crucified. He raises again from the dead, and the very last thing that he tells his disciples is this right here. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. How many of you have used that with your kids before, right? I have all authority on heaven and on earth for you. But no, that was Jesus. So what is he saying there? He had already risen from the dead. Why do we believe this? Maybe you're here today and you're a little skeptical of these stories and the Bible and you haven't really accepted it as truth yet. But why do we follow and believe what Jesus says? Is because he's the only person in recorded history to ever predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off. That's why we follow and listen to him. So he says, I have all authority because I just did this. I raised from the dead. It's the will of the Father. So he says this to his disciples. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations. And then what does he tell them to do? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you even to the very end of the age. So uh, as, as we put our faith in God, in a living faith, an active faith, one that's genuine and authentic, requires an obedient heart to Jesus, to where we go, God, I'm putting my faith in you, I'm following you, and so I'm gonna follow your teachings. I'm buying this, you know, I'm taking this as truth, I'm gonna apply it to my life. And so what Jesus is saying is, is that the act of that, the symbolic representation of your obedience to Christ is baptism. That's the first step that a believer makes once they've put their faith in Jesus. Peter Forth, I think that's his name, he was a Scottish theologian. He said this, the first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but to find its master. And so when we confess Jesus as Lord, what we're saying is, is that you are in charge You are now the master of my life. You rule over me. You have the authority that you spoke of. 
and it's over my life. I am submitting underneath your authority. And Jesus gives the command. He says, therefore, go and make disciples and baptize them. So why do we get baptized as as believers? Why do we do that? Is because Jesus, our commander-in-chief, the one that we've put in charge of our lives, has commanded it for us. And when it comes to Jesus, if you truly submitted to his rule and authority in your life, what we have to remember this is obedience is never optional. It's not optional. A lot of people think some of the Bible and some of the truths that Jesus has taught because it doesn't necessarily fit into our life or into our schedule right now where we go, eh, I'll kind of take a little bit of this. I got no problem doing that, God. I'm good at that. Got that one down. But when you want me to do some of these other things, we kind of look at it as optional. But if Jesus is truly Lord and Savior of your life, it's not optional. I loved another quote from a German priest, and he was from the late medieval period. He said this, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience that there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. And so again, he's he's balancing out here. We obey under the grace of God, and he gives us the mercy and the grace to be able to live and to make mistakes. But it says delayed obedience is, is disobedience. I'm trying to teach this to Riley right now, right? How many of you have to count with your kids to a certain number? right? Or you did at some point, right? And you're like, all right, Riley, don't do that. Riley, stop doing that. All right. One, two. Kid, if you don't stop, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit three. Then I'm going to have to discipline you. I'm going to have to get off the couch. This is not going to be fun. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel. I'm like, two and a half, two and three quarters. Please, Riley, just listen to your dad, you know? And then it's three. And if she doesn't listen by three, then she gets in trouble. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, man, what am I, I'm kind of teaching her the art of delayed disobedience or delayed obedience, that that delayed obedience is actually disobedience, right? That, that ideally, a father to a child, I say, stop, don't do it, that she would stop and she wouldn't do it. It's ideal. If you figured that out with your kid, I'd love to meet with you this week and you could teach me your ways. And, 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 but but I, I have to push her and I have to count to three and it's if I get to three. And I think sometimes in our relationship with God, it's, he, he's kind of counting and he gets past three and he's going, listen, I, delayed obedience is really disobedience. I need you to kind of fall in line. And why? Because his truths, his command. His teachings are to give us life, and he didn't just say to give us life and the eternal security that we're looking for, but it says to bring us life and life to the full. And what we have to realize is that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, he has commanded us to be baptized. It's his command. He's the father that's authority. He doesn't want to count to three with us or however long he's been counting with you. He wants us to fall in line. He wants us to obey and he wants us to follow our commitment to him in, in baptism. It's a, it's a symbolic thing of what we do. And that's the second point. So the reason we get baptized, the first is plain and simple. And I really could stop the message here, but I'm going to give you a couple more points uh, that, that line up in the New Testament of Scripture. But if you, if you have committed your life to Christ and you are following him, Jesus says, be baptized. And so that should be enough for us to say, I'm going to follow my uh, faith in Christ in obedience and be baptized. But the second reason of why we get baptized is this, is it's a symbolic act 
of a salvation experience. It's a symbolic act of your salvation experience. That's simply what baptism is. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Here at Adventure Church, we believe in baptism by immersion. So we, we put people fully underwater and then we pull them back out. And the reason why we believe that is, one, because the word baptize, baptizo, means to immerse. It means to submerge. So we go underwater. But the other reason is this, is because it says that we are buried. Our old life is being buried, that we've made a commitment that the old life, so all of your mistakes, all of the, the past sins, all of that stuff is buried in Christ's death, and then we're raised to new life. So when we come out of that water, it's a symbolic representation of what God has been doing in our life. And, and it's a really a freeing thing. I've, it's been awesome sometimes I've seen people get baptized because it's a very meaningful and spiritual experience that when they come out of the water, they like raise their hands and they celebrate because they go, man, my old life and what I just buried was bad stuff. And God in his mercy loved me so much that I've been raised to new life that I celebrate that in what God has done for me. Romans 6, 1 through 4, the apostle Paul said this, he said, well then, should we keep on sinning that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, so he's speaking to people who were already baptized, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. So again, it's a symbolic representation of being buried in death with Christ. That we bury those sins, our whole past, all the mistakes we've made, and we get raised to new life. That Jesus gives us a clean slate. That song we just sang as we closed out worship today, Rise Now, that God makes all things new. Isn't that amazing? That should be something that causes us to rejoice. That God can take the old, nasty parts of my life, and he can transform my heart, my wicked ways, my evil thoughts. He can transform those into new things. He can breathe new life into that. Only God can do that in our lives. 27 times baptism is mentioned in the book of Acts. So after Jesus goes, the, uh, the apostles are going out. They begin the, the church as we know it today. They start this movement. And, and in Acts, 27 times baptism is mentioned in Acts. And it's only after It's only mentioned after someone had already made a commitment to Jesus. So let me take a minute here. In the You Asked For It series, we're we're, we're answering questions. And many of you, depending on your background, and this has been a question that I get quite uh, frequently, is that, hey, do you baptize babies? Because no matter where you came from, maybe you were christened as a baby, maybe you were, you know, sprinkled with water as a baby, that your parents had you baptized. So you're like, hey, dude, Hey, I'm good, man. I, I don't remember it. have no idea what it was about. But hey, I, my parents told me at some point, you know, I got baptized. And, and I'm not attacking that today. But what I am trying to do is challenge you on, on the purpose and the meaning of baptism. I think your, your parents' motives were probably very pure and that they wanted to do that. But what we do with babies is we dedicate them to the Lord. And maybe you've been here. We've done that a couple times now where we dedicate children. So if you have a young child and you go, man, I'm, I'm going to do my best as a parent. What, that, what the baby dedication is for is, is primarily for the parent, that you're making a decision 
where you're saying, I am dedicating my life to the Lord, and I'm dedicating my children's lives to the Lord, that I am going to commit to raise this kid the best way that I can so that they can know God and follow him and his purpose for their life. So we do baby dedication. There's no water, there's no baptism involved, because baptism is a decision that an individual makes after they've made a decision to follow Jesus. It's, it's after, it's not before. And so we don't do that to, to save us. We don't do, baptism doesn't save your child. Save your child's salvation and eternal security comes in a faith that is confessed in Jesus. It's a belief in their heart, confessing with their mouth that they believe what Jesus has done for them. My children have no idea what Jesus has done for them yet. They kind of, Riley's four, she's starting to get, you know, that Jesus lives in her heart kind of thing. She's asked if he lives in her head too. You know, she's trying to to figure it out. But she doesn't have the ability to make a choice to be baptized yet because that's a decision that follows a commitment that we make to Jesus. And it's, it's, it's always funny to me that couples who really aren't even involved in church, really not committed to church, probably not very committed in their own lives to God, they have children and they go, hey, hey, uh, when are you going to do your next baptism for the kids? And I got to get, get my kids in, you know, I got to get them baptized. I got to make sure they're, they're good to go. And I kind of got to walk them through the process and going, look, baptism isn't going to save your child. It's not going to make them profess their faith in him. It's something that they have to decide to do. And so the New Testament, as we can see throughout scripture, throughout the New Testament, anyone who ever got baptized always did so as an adult or after making a commitment for Jesus. And so the tragedy, though, is that with infant baptism, that it gives this false security, that this, uh, this symbolic ritual that they went through actually saved their child and, and guaranteed their eternal life. And what we have to realize is, is baptism does not guarantee salvation, nor is it required for it. Baptism does not guarantee salvation, nor is it required for it. We are not saved by works. We're not saved by something that we do. The Bible says that no man is worthy enough to to earn his salvation, that no one is saved by works so that they could boast and say they did it themselves. It says that we're saved by grace through God's forgiveness and by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And so how do we know that baptism doesn't save us, that it's not a, a prerequisite to go to heaven? Because some churches, depending on where you come from, and listen, today, if you come from a background or a church that teaches different than this, I can't really tell you why they do that. Because I can't find it in scripture. And so if you really have some questions and you're like, man, my priest or my pastor or this teacher, whatever I went to, they taught it different and they did this. I don't necessarily know why they do it that way. And I would encourage you to call up the church and ask them, why do you do this? But here's what I can tell you. They won't be able to find scripture to support that. It's a tradition. And so baptism isn't required for salvation, although many churches teach that. If you don't get baptized, like it's like, Literally, like, you could confess your faith in Jesus, and if you weren't baptized and you died on your way home, you're not going to make it. And you can't find that in Scripture. And how do we know that? First of all, is that when Jesus, he was baptized, and he didn't need salvation. He was sinless. He was the Savior, and he got baptized. The second one is this. How many of you remember when Jesus died on the cross, there was two criminals that were beside him, right? One of them was, you know, kind of cursing Jesus, kind of saying, hey, get us out of this. And the other one was going, hey, I'm a sinner. I recognize that this is the Savior of the world. And he confessed his faith in Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. This day. So 
Dude didn't climb down off the cross after that happened and get baptized, right? The guy died prior to getting baptized, and Jesus said, you're going to be in heaven. So baptism is simply a symbolic representation, symbolic act of what's happened on the inside. It's just an outward demonstration of what's going on. And that's the last point today when it comes to baptism is this, is that then it's a public declaration of a new association. It's a public declaration of a new association. In Acts twenty two sixteen, the apostle Paul gets saved, right? He has this dramatic uh, conversion experience and God says this, what are you waiting for? He says this to Paul. He says, get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And so the apostle Paul, he was, he was told to do this after his conversion. Why was this so important for Paul? Because Paul had a very troubling past. Paul was persecuting Christians. He was actually killing Christians. And so Paul, you know, just can't walk out and go, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a new guy now. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on Jesus' side. Like, people are literally going to be afraid of him, right? They're going to be like, hey, you're trying to trick me, man. What is this bait and switch kind of thing? Like, you're trying to tell me you're new, you're good to go. And, it, you know, it's, no, it's, so Paul, God said, no, you, you need to make a, a declaration, a public proclamation of who you are now that the new person and so he needed to make this statement to those who knew him in his circle of influence he needed to make this statement to his friends the other pharisees and the religious leaders that he was now a new person that he wasn't hanging with them anymore he was no longer going to be doing the same things that he did so he's making this statement to his friends and his family that i'm a new man with a new purpose and a new mission and so that's what baptism is where we say, I am brand new. God has saved me. He's made me new. I think about when I got married, and when I got married, I still had hair. Uh, I, I like to think I was kind of a good-looking guy. And believe it or not, I was kind of a hot commodity at the time, right? I was the single youth pastor at the church. Jess was one of a couple sisters who were thinking that they were in line to, to marry me. You know, I got my pick of the litter. It was all good, you know. Uh, but I, but, but I was kind of the hot commodity. I, I'm really, I wasn't. Uh, but, but what happens when you get married? What do you do, right? What, what, do we, what is this? It's not a trick question. It's a ring, right? Yeah. But, but yesterday I did a vow renewal for Justin and Marie Quisenbing. Ten years. I've done a couple weddings already. Or one wedding this summer. Uh, and, and, and the ring is, is, is nothing, right? Like, it's a symbol. This ring does not make you faithful does not make me a good husband. It doesn't do anything, right? It's simply a symbol of the commitment that I made to my wife, right? And obviously there's some other symbolic things to it where it's an endless circle where my love for Jess will always be endless and eternal. You know, it's, it represents those things. And so, so when we get married, because I was such a hot commodity, you know what I mean? I got to wear my ring. And when I go to the gym to work out, I walk in like this. Listen, girls are checking me out. I'm going, hey, look, the, uh, you know, I'm taken. I'm sorry. I know it's going to be difficult. I'll pray for you, but that's all I can do at this point. But that's what this means, right? And so we wear our ring to let everyone around us know. So if you're in a, a meeting at the office, and, and guys, that's why you get your girls a nice ring, right? You get them a little bling so it actually reflects light a little bit. So if some guy's checking them out, they, they don't even have to hold it up. They can just kind of go like this, you know, and it, Oh, oh, sorry about that, you know. 
But that's why we wear it. That's, all, that's the only reason behind it. It's, it's a symbolic thing to let the world know that, that I'm hanging with someone different now. That I've committed my life to, to this woman and, and that's where my commitment lies. And that's what baptism is. That's why Jesus wants us to do it because it's a public declaration of saying, you know what, my old life is gone. The things I used to do, God saved me from them. He has a new plan. He has a new purpose for my life. And I'm not ashamed to tell the world that I'm married to this woman. And more or not, I'm not ashamed to tell the world that I'm following Jesus, that he saved me, he's redeemed me, he's given me purpose. I did not deserve his forgiveness. He freely gave it on the cross. So I'm telling the world who I'm hanging with now. I'm not hanging with you anymore. I'm not going that way anymore. God has changed my life. It's a public declaration of a new association. You're saying, it's no longer just about me. My life is different. I'm hanging with Jesus. And that symbolic act of burying my old life, of burying my old habits, of burying my old thoughts and all of those things and being raised to new life in Christ. It's a powerful, powerful thing when we make that statement to the world to say, I have decided to follow after Jesus. It's a powerful thing. We have to let the world know who we hang with. Band's gonna come. We're gonna close out today with a song. But I looked up this week. We have a computer program that tracks all of our attendance every week. We plug in our numbers. And, and those of you, every week, we in just a minute, we're gonna give an invitation for those of you who maybe say, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. I want to publicly, you know, make this commitment today that since we've started Adventure Church uh, back in last, this year, last time we started our preview services, we've had over 80 people who have, during a service, when given the opportunity to respond, say, if you need to confess your faith in Christ, if you need to make that, they've raised their hand and said, I'm making that commitment. I'm new. I'm I'm different. I'm, I'm accepting God's love. I'm accepting His forgiveness. But with that comes his authority. With that comes his word and, and his principles and what he teaches. So I'm accepting the grace and the forgiveness. That's the easy part. But now I'm accepting the plan that he has for me to follow in his ways, to, to, to walk after him and to pursue the things of God for his life. That's an awesome thing. 80 people. Wow. It's incredible. I, I'm blown away by that, that heaven rejoices over just one that we've had 80 people make a commitment. Some of you are sitting here today. And I would tell you this, that if you've never followed in obedience to be baptized prior to your commitment to him. Now look, you may have been baptized as a baby and and that's fine, but I I would challenge you today to say, you know what, that didn't mean anything to me. But today I'm, I'm new, I'm different. As an adult, I'm making a conscious decision to say, you know what, I wanna be baptized. I wanna, I wanna let God know that I'm serious about him, that my faith is active, that it's living, and it's gonna follow in obedience to what he commanded, right? Because Jesus said, go and, and, and be baptized, that it's what we do because he's in charge, and that we want to symbolically show the, the change that's happening and declare to the world, to your family, to your friends, to your circle of influence that I'm different, I'm different, I'm making a statement and there's no turning back. So today, I'm not gonna ask you to stand. Vanessa and Jake are gonna play the song. I'm gonna ask you to reflect. And some of you, this 
this really doesn't apply to you, that you got saved and, and, and you knew what you were doing and you made a commitment and you've been baptized, and that's awesome. That's a great thing. But there's many of you here today who have never followed Christ in that obedience to get baptized. And in July, July 20th, Summer Splash, it's on your AC card there. We're going to do baptism here. And uh, we're going to submerge people in water. We'll have a tank here. We'll have t-shirts for you to wear. We're going to to make that. But some of you are like, well, Kyle, you know, I put on my Sunday hair. I got it looking good, you know. Got my makeup, you know, what's that going to look like? Again, you're going, I'm not ashamed. This is a public declaration, wet hair and all. For me, it's not really a big deal. Wet hair and all, that I'm, I'm making a statement. I'm burying my old life. I'm coming to new life. So as they play this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. If you can honestly say that in your heart today, that I've made a commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe it was a while ago, but you've never followed obedience. I would challenge you with this. Make a public statement, not just a personal statement, an internal. Let's go public with our faith and let the world know what you've decided to do. So as they sing this song, would you just maybe bow your head, close your eyes, whatever you need to do to reflect and connect with God today and say, God, is this something you're asking of me to make a public declaration of my new association? Let's sing this song together.